Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Okay, folks, I'm here with the good friends from Walker Glass. We have uh, Danny Dancos and we have Marc Deschamps uh, joining us today. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, all things bird friendly. Uh, and uh, of course, it's it's an especially hot topic right now with some uh, different things that are going on in the regulation environment. Uh, but I'm really pleased to have these guys here. Uh, it kind of it came out of nowhere at the last minute, and 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 it's just fortunate that we're that we're having this discussion at such a an opportune time, uh, because no uh, nobody I don't think knows uh, a lot more about bird friendly glass in uh, in North America than Walker. So uh, let's uh, let's start out by um, let's start out by uh, introducing or getting everybody to introduce themselves. I always like to do that. Uh, so uh, Danik, why don't you uh, give us? Um, uh, 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 what you do for Walker and uh, and uh, take us from there. All right. Well, first, uh, first of all, thank you, Pat, for this opportunity. We're really um, we're really happy to be able to share our thoughts and and, and our experience about the bird-friendly glass and regulation and all of that. Um, I'm the new guy at Walker. Um, for the one who, of you who like Rush, Neil Pert had been in the band for 40 years, and he was still the new guy, right? So I've been. <laughs> So I've been with uh, with Walker for uh, only 20 years as the uh, now I'm the marketing operation manager and um I uh, actually I reported to Mark for numerous of years I've learned there's a lot of a lot of great things that I learned from from Mark he's been a great leader and um through those years um we uh, we were there together when Walker started the acid edge process Mm -hmm. the walker texture and then uh, obviously when we when we started the ivy pro tech and then all everything from uh the science from the knowledge from the branding from the communication perspective and all of that and and then uh mark put together the first i believe mark it was the first ai presentation on bird, on bird collision or one of the so, first yeah. One, or at least one of the first one. And then Walker has been putting together a lunch and learn presentation since 2013 about bird-friendly bird glass uh, throughout North America and every architectural firm. We've been really on the forefront of education and all that. And I've been fortunate to, you know, on, you know, I'm talking specifically here on bird-friendly because our experience is broader, but you know, we've had the chance to collaborate with uh, leading scientists about the topic, um, including Dr. Danielle Clem, which I did, we did a video series a couple of years ago, Bird, Bird, Bird Save Glass Explain. It's a three-part series that we did with him that we went to uh, Muhlenberg College where he teaches. And then uh, it, was, it, was, it was absolutely great. And through the, the experience and meeting with architects and all that, I also had the chance to meet with the the fortunate, uh, uh, my friend, Michael Mazur, I call it my friend from FLAP, uh, the founder of FLAP, who is really important in that world and the bird deterrence. And if you want to understand and you want to see someone passionate about it, definitely want to talk to, to, to Michael. And so, um, yeah, uh, with Mark's help, I've been fortunate to be able to, to help Walker to make a difference because uh, believe it or not, that 
it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it works. Give, give me a sense, uh, uh, Danny, just th thinking while you're talking there, um, yeah. um, like, like Walker got into the acid etch thing when? Uh, 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, right? So it was a long time ago, right? Yeah. But 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 um, like like how much how much of the how much of the business and then of that how much of that is bird friendly? Like 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 how much how much is that sort of taken over what you guys are doing at Walker? It, I don't. It, it, I don't know if you can put a sense to it or not, but I don't have the number. But it, we have to understand that Walker has been in business for 80 years. We yeah, just yeah, celebrated yeah. our 80th anniversary as a mere manufacturer wanted to hold this mirror flat glass mirror manufacturer so we do walker does mirror full surface edge glass bird friendly in okay. a nutshell that that's what it is bird friendly is one of the product we we cater in a in a marketplace it is growing what is the percentage of, of, of the sales over the other two i i wouldn't be able to to tell but it is yeah. growing definitely growing yeah. uh definitely there's something that is a neat story to tell in a communication uh perspective you know um uh, you've you've got a sustainable product that is can sustain the weather condition on the being on the number one surface and protecting wildlife that's kind of a neat story to tell right mm -hmm. that's sort of what we've been i've been doing with walker and uh, and doing I'll tell you this, as a, as, a, as a marketer and as a communication person that you are, communicating a, 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 about a project or a product that works, that actually does what it says it's going to do, it's such a great feeling. You know, yeah. you walk in like, okay, this is, this is good because I know that whatever we're doing, it has a positive impact on the, on the environment. And so anyway, so that's sort of my my story and i i, I want to give a chance to, to mark no no mark I, yeah we gotta get so we gotta much. get mark in here i i uh I, I i agree with you though uh uh there's there's uh nothing like uh i learned a long time ago that uh to, to succeed in sales you actually have to have a good product uh that, that they don't always tell you that when you start <laughs> but uh, but yeah <laughs> they like to say it's all you it's all you <laughs> but yeah, yeah having a having a good product is is, is very helpful um Mark, let's let's bring you in here. You're you're, you're um um uh, you know it, it sounds like you've uh, you've been instrumental from the start of of the whole uh, uh, bird friendly effort at Walker. And uh, I, I was just uh, I was interested to hear from Danik about the about the the mix in the business there. Give me give me your background with the company and, and and let us know what kinds of things you're working on these days. Yeah, well, I um I you know I've been in the glass business for um, you know I'd say uh, roughly thirty years. Um, and um, five or six years into um, into it, I um, I joined uh, Walker, and um, and um, currently I'm handling a product uh, management and also uh, um, you know running uh, the architectural uh, team. Uh, so the concept at Walker is that we have a sales team um, that's obviously uh, calling on the customers. But we, um, a long time ago, we decided that we would also go to, to architects and designers and um, basically um, offer them uh, the support uh, early in the design development uh, uh, process so that they, they can make the, the right decisions. 
uh, early in the game and come up with um, with appropriate specs. And of course, uh, along the way, it, uh, it 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 was helping uh, our products uh, getting positioned in the market. Uh, you know, building the brand, which uh, obviously Danik has been uh, quite instrumental in, in doing so. But you know, if you're in the face of the decision makers, the the architects, designers, spec writers, um, then obviously it it strengthen it, it will strengthen the the brand and the branding. And uh, so that, that's been, um, that's been quite helpful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, quite frankly, um, you know, and I gotta tell you, uh, Pat, in, uh, in presentations uh, I do once in a while, I, I was last fall, I, I was, uh, I was doing a presentation at, uh, at a vitro uh, event. And I, I said to the crowd, uh, when I joined, when I got into the glass business, I, I never, never thought I'd have to learn so much about birds, um, <laughs> right? It's like totally off, uh, off the radar. But um, yeah, we did, we did have to, um, to, uh, to uh, look at the research and the study and the studies and, and look at everything, you know, all the material that, that was published on, on birds and how they, uh, they behave and how they react to uh, a, a glass. Uh, a glass facade of some sort, and uh, or structure. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting journey um, getting into the the bird friendly uh, space. Um, and I got to tell you, one thing that uh, to me is uh, is really really important, particularly today, with the market um, you know uh, growing significantly, and obviously with growth. Uh, with significant growth, you see a lot more competition, right? So uh, I think one of the big things uh, for us at the time was getting into a market that was um, that was you know that was really like um, uh, where you you had almost had to create the demand, right? You, you're kind of going in from almost from scratch, and you know we were in many areas in the, in the States or in Canada, we, we talked about, uh, of course, you know, we had the other products and we, we talked to architects about yeah. other products, but we'd bring in, uh, we'd bring up the, the, uh, the, the bird friendly and, you know, we'd get a lot of giggles and, you know, people thought yes. we were, we were crazy. Right. Joking. And architects saying, oh no, not one more thing I got to think about. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, sure enough. It, um, you know, they do have to think about that today <laughs> with, yeah. with legislation, yeah. with, with, you know, uh, everything that's gone on in the, in the market. We started in Bird Friendly Arena in uh, 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's been a uh, while. I, we I, were I, already adopters and um, you were yeah, we've gone a long way. You were. Well, I, I am. And I imagine that was a process of, you know, you, you looked at your asset etch expertise and went, well, this 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 translates, right? I mean, I mean that, that put you in a that put you in a a different position versus a lot of other uh, fabricators, you know. No question about it. No, I mean, you know, when we um, we studied, um, we, we you know basically reviewed all the research that had been done, and you know what the scientists and the ornithologists were were saying. Essentially, we we felt that we had the capabilities of coming up with a solution that was literally checking all the boxes. Yeah. 
Um, and so, um, you know, it didn't take much time for us to figure out, um, hey, you know, we could come up with a basic offering and start, um, and, and start you know, a building uh, material around it. Danik mentioned earlier uh, uh, this, um, this presentation that we uh, did that's approved by the American Institute of Architects. Um, so we're, we're a, a continuing education provider for the AIA. We got four courses. Now, of course, when that, I was a, that was a big, um, a big tool that, um, that we developed is coming up with a course that would educate architects on, well, why is this a, an issue? And uh, what are the solutions? And um, we, uh, today, I got to tell you, it's probably the course that we do the most. Right. Uh, uh, our guys in the field are, are I'm, you know, I, I don't have the stats, but uh, intuitively, I got I, I to gotta say, it's probably uh, the most, uh, 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 you know, a course, the course that's most often uh, provided. I'm going to tell a little story that illustrates, I think, the change that, that, that has occurred over the time span that you're talking about. I remember at an Ontario Glass and Metal Association meeting uh, uh, a few years ago, uh, and uh, the presentation was bird friendly. Uh, Mark, you might have been in the well. I, I don't know if I don't know if you were in the room. Anyways, it was in Toronto, so probably not. Um, but uh, somebody from Walker was there, and um, and at the end of the thing, it comes to question period. I, I think I think Mike Measure was uh, was actually involved, um, and. Um, uh, Sergey, the old Russian engineer, puts up his hand at the end of the presentation, and he he starts going on these back of the envelope calculations, right? So if it costs this much extra uh, for uh, bird friendly, uh, this is X per amount per square. How much would you say is on the building? Oh, it's X amount per square foot. Uh, you know, he's he's boiling it all down to the 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 marginal cost for for bird friendly on the building. He arrives at some number. I can't remember what it was. And he goes, um, so let's compare that to the price for eggs. <laughs> oh my God. We could just make more birds. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was so, so that. <laughs> now I'm going to say was, that, that was, that was a seven. unique angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it brought the house down. Cause he went on and on with this. Like he went on and on with this calculation. Like everyone's going, where is he going with this? Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, that was, that was the reaction. I know you guys were getting, you guys were talking about people oh, like that. That's the reaction you guys were getting at the start. Right uh, now today, let's fast forward now. Okay, and this segues into our Bill 23 discussion. Yeah. I'm getting phone calls from Toronto area fabricators who are pissed and, and are and are worried and are and are really looking for information because they have an entire plan in place to supply bird-friendly glass. They've been quoting this on on on, on everything. Um, their 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 whole setup is 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 set to deliver this, especially on Toronto area projects, mm -hmm. right? And now, well, there's indications, and we're going to get into it. But that, but but you know, some people are worried that that somehow this Bill 23 in Ontario means 
that these bird friendly is not going to be required. It's not, it's not going to be in the, in the specifications anymore. Um, Danik, talk to me um, a little bit, I, I guess, start, start from that. How, 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 how have things changed? How important is bird friendly uh, uh, now to, to, to fabricators plans? And, and, uh, and then I guess go right to it. What, what do you think bill 23 is going to do or what have you found out or what's your expectation? Uh, well, let's go with the first thing uh, about B B Bill 23, its name. Yeah. More Homes Build Faster Act. Right. So anything, it's not an attack on bird friendly. It's an attack on the actual, anything that can slow down the process mm. of building house and having access to more land and to potentially questionable land such as wetland, agricultural land, and all of that. The Bill 23, what it caused to the conservation community, and I'm talking about the con cons conservation community as a whole, uh, some will say that uh, nature and democracy is, is under attack. That's how serious some of them will, will say. It's, mm -hmm. I, I'm, this is a quote directly from... from from one of the conservation group that says that the omnibus bring a sweeping change to the province, nature, heritage, and land use planning legislation and policy. It removing and awakening the uh, environmental protection and excluding the public from meaningful involvement in land use planning and decision affecting their communities. That is the art of what the conservation community is worried about. The um, when you have uh, legislation of uh, green standard that has uh, that has a higher demand than the provincial standard on energy efficiency, let's we're talking about glass. Glass is part of the building envelope, and depending on the low e coating that you're going to use, you're going to have a greater uh, uh, energy efficiency uh, or not, depending on what you're going to use. So there's 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 that. It's typically has been has been uh, addressed at the site plan control, and that's that's the key part is the site plan control that the bill 23 is kind of slashing. Um, with exchange with with conservation group that definitely are worried about and and respect respectfully so. I mean it it, it is a, a definitely the goal is to build more homes faster and in, in more area. Um, but the OAA has reacted to this uh, and so has the city officials. If we think just the basic principle of you have city officials who have worked or really hard to put together these standard, these policies and all of that, they're not going to let one bill take this away from it. They're going to fight back. Any for what I'm, I'm getting here, right, from the feedback that I got, municipality where uh, bird-friendly legislation is in place, project that is city-owned or city-funded will move forward. Definitely, the federal government has embarked into this. It will continue to embark into this. There's no doubt about it. The private sector, it will create confusion because the city will try as much as they can and they, they, to, to enforce the bird-friendly uh, 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 bird and energy, their green standard, never mind just bird-friendly, their, 
they're green standard. They will try as much as possible. They're going to use every legal aspect to be able to enforce it. What's ahead of us? Confusion, definitely confusion. Frustration, definitely. Is it going to weaken the demand? I think that's the question we're, we're getting into. I'm not sure. I am really not that sure. I am not completely positive because it's it's quite early still in the process and they will be fight back. And 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 even if this the Bill 23 has passed, the Ontario uh, uh, Architects Association is worried about it and I sent a letter with with, uh, with a list of recommendation. Then you have the city officials are gonna fight back and all of that for sure. And I understand the frustration, welcome. It is only starting. We have for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, things will settle down. And I believe that, with, and I'll, I'll take the context a little bit out of Ontario and we'll take it above globally. You know that right now in Montreal, we have the COP15 about bio, biodiversity and protecting the environment and protecting uh, green areas, park and all of that. It, it goes in the opposite direction of that Bill 23 is, is going. If you want to get the, the, the basic principle of build home faster, densify your, your, your build where it is already building, renovate where it needs to be any renovation, build towers, condos, and things like that. Use the same footprint that is already in there rather than tap into wetlands and all of that. So there will be a lot of pushback, but in short term, definitely create confusion and frustration and a great deal of, um, on a conservation uh, uh, aspect, they are really worried that this bill, with the consequence of this bill. They didn't fight for these legislation to happen, to let it go. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work at the municipality level, they're gonna go to the provincial level and they're gonna go to the national to the national level, the, the, the Ontario building code, the federal building code, and they all try to reinforce that there. But in short term, definitely. Uh, a great deal of confusion, and and I, I can understand the, the frustration. That's really what I've been able to collect. I've been able, I talked to conservation group, to city officials, architects. The consensus is like, nobody's at. Yeah. That's the uh, consensus. <laughs> Yeah, that's that that that's for sure. Anybody on the on the on the environmental building side of it uh, uh, is 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 upset, uh, for <laughs> sure. And, but I I I guess what 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 my research my inquiries have have yeah. sort of come up with on this is that the concern may be a little bit overblown, um, as like like to your to your point, Danny. Um, um, the, I mean, you've you've got uh, uh, Chris Ballard at Pal uh, Passive House coming out and saying this is the end of you know environmentally friendly legislation or or, or building standards in Ontario. I, I mean, you know, you, you, there's there's some overheated stuff uh, flying around. I I, I had a, a an architect friend of mine who shall remain nameless calling it a catastrophe and a disaster at a at a talk of at the course. building. Yep. You know, and 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 I understand their passion. I I, I get it. I, I imagine yeah. Mike Mike Measure cannot be a happy camper. No. Uh, but I I think what they're what they're alluding to is a more generalized concern about about the Ford government empowering municipalities to sort of, as you say, sort of blow past their red tape 
and just do things to to try to make things happen faster. And their and their concern is that this is the sort of thing that could fall by the wayside if a council says, "Oh, we're not we're not sending this back for bird friendly. We got to we we got to just get this thing approved and 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 get the and get the permit going." But as to your point, Danny, I don't see that happening because I got direct responses from the city of Toronto saying the Toronto Green Building Standard is absolutely in place and will absolutely be enforced as mm -hmm. it was in the past. Yep. So there you go. I I, I mean, and, and then I had a, another response. I had some questions there about the, 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 the language changes in the law. Well, it doesn't really impact that. The outward, the exterior appearance of a building is still part of the site planning process. It yep. is still there in the Planning Act, and, and it references sustainable design, which has been interpreted to include bird friendly. So, so, so that, 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 that is all of the, all of the same parameters appear to be in place. So at least on the bird friendly side, now developing in wetlands, developing in greenbelt, that sort of thing. That's where, that's where they may have a, they may have a lot more worries. Exactly. Uh, and, and definitely, well, the, that being said, for sure, there will be, on a private sector, people who are going to try to sneak around not only bird friendly but other environmentalists. It's, it's my money. The prevent the, the bill twenty three says this, and then they they're probably going to be some some battling gone there. But it's just to show you how passionate and how um, everything that touches the environment now. If we roll back about 10 years ago, the same bill 10 years ago would not have made as much noise than it is right now. Everything is in place in the world, in North America. And then Mark will be able to talk about, you know, uh, the new legislation that are happening like in the United States and things like that. It's, it's, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. And it's not only, let's, let's look at, you know, we're looking at bird friendly because that's sort of the, the topic, but I intercept uh, on, on the glass news uh, last week, and and I remember, and I do talk about it to, to, to my, my presentation, the Sea Turtle Protection Act. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. You need to have tinted windows or film to prevent your interior light to eliminate the beach. The little turtles think it's the moon and they go the wrong direction. That's what happens. It's sad. <laughs> it's, it's very sad so and and then fair honestly and uh, it, mark tell me if i'm wrong about this one i do not believe that there is one architect in north america that gets up in the morning that claps in his hand and say let's build something that's gonna kill the wildlife yeah yeah, well, that I, actually, and that was the direction I wanted to go next. Was Mark, you're you're out there talking to the architects. What 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 is the reaction uh, uh, you've been getting? And and maybe it's early days yet, but what, ha, have people been bringing up uh, uh, the Bill Twenty Three stuff? And uh, just generally, what's your what's your sense of uh, of how they perceive uh, uh, the importance of the? No, I, I think it's too early to uh, to say. Uh, you know, most most uh, most of the architectural world is not even aware. Of uh, you know Bill Twenty Three or or its implications, so I think it's too early to uh, to make a call on that. But um, you know, uh, I I'll say this: um, 
I think it's um, what uh, what what the governments need to understand in in today's world is that the communication of a new bill is as important as the bill itself. Hmm. And You're absolutely right. You, you have to you have to do uh, you have to do your communication and selling job, right? Now, if you want to adopt a bill, uh, you know, this one being, uh, you know, um, fast track, right? Uh, because you want to you adopt it, like you want it now, and you don't want to go through all the, the process and the red tape and whatnot. That's fine, you know, I mean, it, um, you, you, there could be some valid reasons to do that, but you, you have to make the effort to, um, to properly communicate to the stakeholders what you're doing, what are the implications, uh, as opposed to let people just interpret, uh, you know, do come up with their own interpretation of what the, the bill, uh, okay. the bill's implications uh, are. So I think, I think it's, that's where it, uh, there's a, there's a big uh, failing here is, you know, Guys, if you want to adopt that bill, you you believe you've got valid reasons to do it, at least go out there, make the effort to communicate properly what this is all about, why it's being done, and what what are the implications. And um, don't don't you know don't don't just go don't throw this thing out there and uh, then just you know let it float around and. As the Nick said, now you're creating confusion and frustration and, and yeah. stuff. And yeah, and, uh, again, you know, you want to expedite this. So I understand you don't want to do public consultation, but um, yeah, you, you gotta they gotta do a better communication job in my book. You you you've you've all heard the phrase that nature hates a, a vacuum, and uh, information hates a vacuum too. And oh, uh, you know. <laughs> The speculation will uh, will will flood in yeah. to uh, to fill gaps, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's that's absolutely the issue. Okay, listen, I want to I I want to move off all this all this sad uh, government talk, um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, let's 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 talk a little more uh, a little more technical stuff uh, 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 on the bird friendly side, and 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 maybe get some get some views for uh, what's going on around the continent uh, uh, with it. Um, but, um, well, yeah, first of all, Danik, you mentioned that, uh, that, that Mark had some information about, uh, about other things going on, uh, North America wide, Mark, what, what, what are, what are, what are some new developments on the, on the, on the regulatory front there? Yeah, well, the general trend is uh, you're seeing more legislation, um, and you're seeing, uh, movement from, uh, say, uh, voluntary guidelines, uh, established by, uh, cities to, uh, to mandatory, um, provisions mm-hmm. um so you're you're kind of seeing a, a bit of uh, everything but uh, the bottom line is you've got more and more legislation uh being adopted to um with, with some form of bird friendly uh um you know guidelines and, and provisions so uh, right. you know probably a lot of uh, you know if you look at toronto they were early adopters and people kind of tend yeah. to take what toronto has done it has been for many years as uh, for granted, but so they may uh, may uh, forget about what, what what's in place. But um, I mean, in Canada, you look at uh, 
you look at uh, the adoption of the CSA standard in 2019, that was a that was a big step in the uh, in the direction of um, you know setting a clear uh, clear path for protecting uh, birds uh, uh, against uh, you know collisions to uh, to buildings and other glazing uh, structures. So uh, I think. Um, in general, you can see that cities in Canada that um, have a desire to um, to uh, come up with some bird-friendly uh, legislation will align with the CSA standard. Yeah. Um, in in the U.S., it's it's a lot more fragmented. It, it, you know, there's different cities that, with different approaches. You know, so we we. You might be aware of what uh, New York City did last year. They adopted a, uh, a code with bird-friendly provisions. Uh, of course, you know New York being New York, it, it kind of sets a, you know a um, sort of a, a basis for possibly other uh, cities, um, you know, following along. But you you have um, you have cities um, in the U.S. Uh, say on the West Coast that. I've been early adopters too. San Francisco has been, you know, has been yeah. one, but other cities in the Bay Area, um, you have uh, you have DC that just adopted a bird friendly uh, a bird bird friendly legislation that that was actually voted, uh, I believe, was last week. Um, smaller cities like uh, Madison in Wisconsin, uh, Chicago is working on um, on theirs. Um, sometimes you have. Uh, you, you have like, um, you know, counties, like, you know, Cook County has its own bird-friendly legislation. You know, not a lot of people know that, right? You know, Chicago is, is a part of, uh, part of Cook County, but obviously Chicago being Chicago, they need, uh, they need to have their own. Um, so yeah, you're, we're seeing this, this movement where more and more cities and, and major ones will uh, will adopt uh, some form of legislation uh, that will, you know, obviously force people to uh, to consider bird-friendly measures and 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 you know avoid the the, the, the you know the debacle of uh, say the, the you know the Minnesota Vikings uh, stadium, you know that that's oh that, uh, probably a lot of people have forgotten now. But uh, go back uh, four or five years ago, it was uh, it was literally a soap opera, right? Yeah. And um, but you know if you uh, you have no legislation here you're sort of in a vacuum then uh, then you know situations like that will happen unfortunately yeah so, yeah Absolutely. we're definitely seeing a movement uh, a trend uh, towards more uh, more legislation more guidelines uh, and um, yeah we hope that um, it's going to continue because at the end of the day and. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. The le legislation is what will ultimately force people to do something. Yeah. Just re just refresh me, Mark. It, it is is um is the CSA standard uh, referenced in the NBC? Did, did did they put that into the code or uh, or no? I don't believe they uh, they have. No, they no they no no. So the standard is out there. It's just a matter now of uh, of uh, NRCAN picking that up for uh, for the for the NBC. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. the the um, The major update that uh, to the Toronto Green Standard 
that uh, was adopted, I believe was May this year. Um, it basically, that aligns with the provisions in the CSA standard. So, yeah. so obviously, you got two approaches. You could either come up with uh, with uh, revised or new legislation that will essentially uh, refer to the CSA standard, or or, be, or you will copy, more or less, copy what's in that standard and uh, right. put in your own. I think the, what Toronto did was basically I'll pick up on the 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 the, the big pieces, the the key pieces of the CSA standard. They kind of fine tune uh, a few things, uh, maybe clarified a few things that they felt were uh, were not clear, and came up with their own uh, their own revision. Um, so yeah, you've got um, it's interesting, eh? Because uh, the the cities uh, in um, in Canada and, and the U.S. they they all have, in a way, they're kind of unique. You know, they all come come up with their own twist. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, with uh, you know, New York came up with like, okay, well, you gotta you gotta treat the first seventy five feet, and you know, I think DC's uh, DC is like you, they they ask that you treat the first hundred feet of uh, from grade. Ah, wow. uh, so. You know, wow. they all have like variations of a basic uh, principle. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny I to see that. A... I mean, it's funny, but it's not because uh, then, you know, it, it is, uh, if you don't have like a, a federal, um, you know, uh, standard or federal uh, legislation, then, you know, it creates a bit of a, bit of a, bit of confusion, you know, if you go from, well, the, the feds are the feds are right now. Um, uh, they've they've embarked on some program. NRCAN has a has a real initiative going on to try to harmonize uh, uh, all that stuff. And you you can imagine what the negotiations are like. Uh, but they're uh, they're they're trying to uh, they're trying to smooth some of that some of that business uh, uh, out. I wonder if um, I'm not aware of any activity at the at the at the NRCAN level to. Uh, to put the bird friendly into a code change request for for next time around, uh, have you guys heard anything? No, no. Okay, so that that uh, well, you know what, Mark, your next job is to go get on the board, go get on the committee uh, <laughs> up there in Ottawa, and uh... yeah. yeah, and it's you know political lobbying is uh, so much uh, so much my game. I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, there are people. So listen, but the reason all of this stuff is so popular and, and that bird friendly is, is gaining this kind of traction and interest is because it apparently works. And, uh, one of the things I wanted to, uh, talk about today was, uh, Danik, we, uh, I, I know that you guys did a study, uh, in Saskatchewan mm -hmm. and had some interesting, or I don't know if you guys did it or somebody else did it. Uh, but I know you were involved, uh, and uh, and 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 you had some interesting results. And why don't you just go ahead and let us know about that? Yeah, yeah. University of Saskatchewan actually. Um, um, Walker has a uh, has a monthly blog, and then we write articles, and we like to do from time to time project review and all of that. And then uh, this this project was was an interest to us. 
it piqued my curiosity from the get-go because let's let's face it, there are no legislation voluntary or mandatory in Saskatchewan or Saskatoon for, for that matter. So to have a project, you know, a sizable project with bird-friendly glass, you go, whoa, 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 wait a second, what's, what's happening? What triggered that? That was my first thing is like, what triggered that? And then um, universities in general uh, are early adopters of on things in transit, in market trends, in any product introduction, you have your early adapters. And universities have a tendency to, to adopt these things. You know, Walker has been involved in multiple projects on, on university campus and all like that. And the reason is that they have their own sustainable standard policy and what they want to see happening and all of that. And then, then they realized they had a new building to build, which was the Collaborative uh, Science uh, Research Building, which was, a, a, it's a building dedicated to, uh, to the study of life and nature science. So if you're going to be building something about nature science and life and you worry about all of that, obviously the environmental aspect of the building will be on, on, a, on, my, on your mind and will be not negotiable. They re, they they knew they had a problem with bird collision and, and they had because they had seen dead birds on laying on the on the campus and all of that. And so they once they 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 they, they made their choice they want they needed that building and all that and they contacted the uh, architectural firms and all that they sat down with them and they set the goal and needed to have all kinds of environmental aspects of energy efficiency. Uh, they also believe in daylighting, maximize the, the daylighting within the building and all of that. And on top of that, prevent bird from colliding against the building. And they, they use the, the green gobble uh, globes, uh, not gobble, globes uh, uh, approach, which is similar to lead, which is point system, but it takes care of, you know, uh, energy efficiency, weather management, uh, reduction of emission, optimize health and wellness, wellness of, of uh, the people are using the building and minimize waste. So that's sort of a, sort of the mindset with it. Um, and then on the, on the top of the building, they had greenhouse that are there for the study of crops. And precisely more for the drought resistant, you know, to make sure that the crops will continue to grow and even with less water and things like that, which with climate change. So you see everything now makes sense. It fits together. And so um, knowing that they had issue with, 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 you know, bird, you know, collision on the campus and all that, I just want to take a, a small detour to bring this to, <clears throat> to something totally concrete. So you're a student or a teacher and you're, in class about studying the nature and its science and all of that. You're right in the middle of the day, you hear that. Yeah. That sound right in the middle of the class, out of nowhere. It doesn't go along. Not with good. Their, <laughs> not good. It doesn't go along with their, with their values and what they're, they're studying and all of that. So all of this, it meets the, 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 the core of what they're studying and, and, and their belief. And that's, that, that really, that's, that was resonate in that, in that 
particular project. And so Flat Architects was the, uh, the leading architect on, on, on that project. Um, and then uh, without knowing it, I don't believe they knew it because I believe the CSA A460 was in the work, but they went on with two by two visual marker on the first surface. Yeah. And being in Saskatoon, they needed like a highly energy efficient coating. So they went with the solar band 70 on surface too. And this is something that Walker, we've been a, we, we had this court of ability and kind of diverging coming back to the, pro, uh, to the project here is that you have the people from the con conservation that wants to protect wildlife and birds and all of that, which want to put the visual marker. Then you have the architects who have been trained to use low E coding on the second surface, but they are, they're not talking to each other. And then Walker comes right in the middle and say, we understand you, we'll put the marker on one. And by putting the, the low E on two, then you we have an ideal solution. And that's sort of what this in, transpired in that particular project. Once the building was built with two by two markers, uh, with low E on two, then they conducted some grad students conducted the study monitoring the number of collision happening on the campus. So that they did this on their own. We didn't ask them, we just happened to talking to them and, and they provided to us with the, uh, with the actual uh, data and all of that. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a question. Do you think they had any collision on the building that used the visual marker on surface one? Oh, they must have still had one or two. It's not perfect. <clears throat> I'll say, wait, how long of a time period are we talking about here? Well, the monitoring took place during spring and summer uh, 20, 2021. The building was completed in 2019. And um, so we talked to them last year. No, early this year, so 2022. Now I'm thinking about that Cadillac. See, the only time I've ever seen any numbers on this is that Cadillac Fairview building that was famous yep. in in in, in yep. Toronto. Uh, and yep. they were talking about hundreds of collisions a month. Uh, yep. uh, and 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 so so I'll say this building went from 300 collisions down to 50. Uh, <laughs> with our conversation with them, the number is zero. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. No kidding but collision happened to a building next to it. Right. 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 And, and, and... Well, did the, it the have the glass? Did it have the markers on it? No. The one next to it? Oh, so, yeah. okay. Yeah. So they got one yeah. with and one without. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the same campus. Uh -huh. So I, I know it, there's been some people wondering what happens, you know, is it really effective visual marker on the first surface? And this, again, I could say, oh, that's just an anecdote, right? But we have, we've collected data from multiple projects. I think we're up to, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, about 10 projects that are at, at least a couple of years old. Yeah. That where they have monitoring on site and collision goes from zero to one, three mm -hmm. on a period of three or four years, right? And I'm talking about visual mark on the first surface either meaning the two by four rules or the CSA, which is the two by two. So I uh, thought it had to be, I thought it had to be on the first surface. Like I, I thought 
that was the standard, right? I mean, I mean, That's I know a lot of I know a lot of people want to put it on the surface too, because because they, yeah. they don't want it on the outside. But um, in the United States, there's no in most legislation, there's no uh, there, nothing. Correct me again, Mark, if I'm wrong, but it's not. Uh, mandatory to put it on first surface. Where it's mandatory to put it on first surface, it's in it's in Canada with the CSA 460 oh. in Toronto, in Ottawa. All of these legislation that feed off the GSA, just like, like just like uh, um, uh, Mark mentioned, the CSA has been very clear about it with first surface, and it's by providing in the first surface, there's a clear indication that the collisions are are going down. You know, I, I, as you said, it's not perfect. Uh, there, there, there's been some project where we had one or three collision over four years and things like that. But the, oh, yeah. the, 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 the decrease, there was one particular project and I can't mention the name because it's governmental project and all of that. It's in a park in Quebec. They used to have 25, it's, it's actually, it's a sanctuary. They used to have 25, it's a tiny little building. It's one story high, 25 depth every year they went from 25 to 12 over four years only three of them collided against the the the, the edge portion because they use different different type of markers on 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 the actual building it's just to show you that first surface visual marker does work and if I it's applied this. correctly i remember at the science center in toronto they uh they 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 had the they back in the 80s they they put these hawk these little hawk logos <laughs> up on the thing it's like it's got to be distressing for these bird sanctuary and they and conservation places to have the birds slamming into the die, dying on their dying on their glass so that's it, so it works it, it works but the, the, what you're referring to it's all part of the science it's all part of of the study you start from somewhere you say birds of prey are chasing are chasing birds. So, you know, the birds that are the most affected by bird collision are the songbirds. We have to understand that birds are divided in different families. Like Mark says, when we started in the glass industry, we didn't believe we were going to know so much about birds. Yeah, but I joined yeah. bird clubs. I burned, uh, I, I did some birding. You know, bird watching is, 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 is a term we call birding. And the yeah. person who pr practices is a birder. So um, in order to understand it better, I wanted to, to, to really take part of the community and all of that. And I joined and I did a couple field trips and things like that. And um, yeah, so just, just to say that once you're in the field and you see it, and then you hear what people have to say, and then let's talk for, for a second, a visual marker, you know, how distracting it is and all of that. And then um, if you follow the CSA A460, your coverage, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, the coverage that makes a difference that we're talking about the redu reduction of significant reduction of collision, it's about one to 2% coverage. Mm. Mm. So that's pretty small. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, the, um, the, um, the reason it doesn't work on surface two, correct, is because you're still getting the reflection off surface one, right? Is that is that the issue? Yeah, if you um, if you move the the visual markers away from surface one, um, then um, 
it, it will the markers will be effective but it, but in certain conditions only so if you have um, for example uh, nighttime if you've got the, the building uh, lights uh, on inside um, if you have the if you have the markers on uh, on the inner surface of the uh, the glazing system, yeah, that will work. So we, we call this the uh, the tra a transmission condition or a see-through condition. Um, so that would work for uh, for for again, you know, a dark uh, dark environment with uh, with lighting inside the, the building, but daytime. Um, if you put the markers on surface two or even three, um, now you're you're reducing uh, the effectiveness uh, significantly because of the eye reflection, that, as you just uh, mentioned. Mm -hmm. So depending on uh, whether you have a sunny day, uh, building elevation exposed to, you know, um, sun for an extended period of time, you're reducing uh, its its effectiveness. Uh, again, if you have uh, glass corners, uh, the then if you've got them, uh, if you got the markers on the inner surface, that could uh, could work. But you know, if you have um, if you have eye reflection, uh, you're definitely now uh, reducing the effectiveness. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and you know, the, the the other point, as Danik mentioned, uh, which is really important, is if you're putting the, the markers on surface too, then um, you're um, in, in in most cases uh, you have to push the low E on the third surface right. and the low E without going too technical here that the low E will not be as effective from a, an energy performance standpoint so there's that to consider as well so you know there, there's there's a lot of solutions out there but the the markers on one with the low E on two is really a, a pretty good solution now, the last time I got into all this, um, there had been some talk about making uh, invisible markers that were uh, reflected infrared light instead mm -hmm. of uh, instead of visible, or at least visible to humans. Mm -hmm. the, the birds would still see it, but we couldn't. Uh, but uh, apparently at that time, again, I'm talking years ago now since I've really gotten into this, um, the, um, the problem was different birds were seeing things at different wavelengths uh, and you couldn't uh, you couldn't make a marker that would uh, that would deter all birds. Um, what, what's the state of the science on that, Mark? Uh, uh, any progress there? Well, I, I would say the science is um, is fairly clear, uh, in my opinion. If you um, if you have um, UV markers um, that um, you know are um, you know are um, you know, within the um, uh, a range of uh, 300 to 400 nanometers, your uh, you know, birds will see them. Okay. Um, so that that uh, that solution can work. As it's definitely a solution that can work. Of course, you know, as you mentioned, people want um, ideally you don't want to see the the markers at all, right? right. But even with the UV uh, markers, you can see it a bit. Not as much as with the, uh, you know, with with other uh, other markers, you can see it a bit. Again, the the downside to the UV um, UV solutions is that 
you know, they either need to be laminated or part of a laminated assembly, I should say. Oh. Or, 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 or if not, then they, uh, you basically are pushing the LOE on the, on the third surface once again. So, oh. um, so you either uh, have, so you have UV solutions out there that will basically be in the laminate assembly and where essentially um, then you can have, so now with a laminate assembly on the outboard light, again, I don't want to be too technical, but now you've got six uh, glass surfaces. So the low E and, and ends up being on the fourth surface, right? On the inboard light of the, on the, on the, inner surface of that outboard light. Right. There you go. <laughs> right, right. start confusing uh, people yeah. here. But yeah. um, so essentially, uh, yeah, the laminate assembly that adds cost and adds weight to the, yep. uh, the glazing system. So may not be ideal. Um, or if it's uh, if it's not in this laminate assembly, like our, we have a UV uh, product uh, that doesn't need to be laminated. However, it does push the low E on the number three surface. Um, you, we were not able to combine the UV markers on the on the first surface with the low E on the second surface. So, so the UV has to be on 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 surface two. Uh, no, we well in our case the UV is on surface one. Oh, okay. Okay, to be most effective again. Then why do you have to move the low E? Well, because you can't have that that glass sheet. Where you have the UV markers on the first surface. Oh, because it'll destroy it. Coating. Cannot, yeah, all right. We cannot apply the low E coating on the on the uh, on the second surface. Right, right, right. Uh, from okay. a process standpoint, it uh, it can't it cannot be done, and uh, you know we, there's a lot of technical reasons for that. But um, well, you're either going to destroy the coating or you're going to destroy the markers. Like it, yeah, yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't uh, know if you want you want uh, you want me to go into that, but I do. I, these are these are glass fabricators who are listening. Okay, to well, this. okay. So, no. so the UV, so essentially the UV markers, okay, they they're applied on, um, you know, on the on the um, on on the the air side of the glass, right? Right. And the coders, the 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 Louis coders in uh, North America must apply the low E on the air side as well mm. uh, of the glass. So you can't have both on the same on the same uh, on the same side of the glass, right? So right. Um, if whereas with the etch markers, uh, uh, you know, so earlier we were talking about our, our, our etch visual markers, right? Well what we do is we uh, we do those on the tin side of the glass. We're able to do that. Leaving the air side for low E coating. So that works, that works uh, perfectly. But with the UV markers, they are applied on the air side and therefore uh, that air side is not available for uh, low, the low E coating uh, process. And that's why now you've got, you've got a, an insulated unit that needs to have the low E on the third surface, again, not as uh, effective right. uh, from an energy uh, performance standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> If I may, um, yeah, go ahead, Danny. The um, you know, obviously the the world fabricator and you know architects and building owners and all that wants the following uh, 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 solution: invisible, high energy efficiency, dirt cheap, right? <laughs> we want pick it two, all. Pick two. 
Yes. You know, and then and then available in oversized and then in yes. tinted substrate and 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 variations. And now, and now, Danny, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that, that there you go. So the, the the complexity of being able to put a uh, uh, UV marker on on one surface and the low E, so it's two coatings on the same glass pane, mm -hmm. and also you need to create that uh, contrast. You can't just have a UV marker you need a contrast too in order for that uv marker to be efficient to be visible because birds are sensitive to contrast and so if you just have like a fully coated reflecting uv at a 300 400 nanometer it doesn't do anything it needs that contrast it needs that patterning in order to work right 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 am i make, was i making a mistake earlier saying infrared instead of uv what, what what is the wavelength that the birds see? Is it UV, ultra, ultraviolet, or infrared? Yeah, Sorry. Well, yeah, you use the word infrared, but it's really uh, ultraviolet. It's ultraviolet. It's the high end of the spectrum, not the not yeah. the not the bottom. Yeah. Okay, okay. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I don't know why I had infrared in my mind. That's okay. Yeah, but that's 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 good. Well, what else is going on technology-wise, Mark? Uh, 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 the have we? Um, it, it sounds like we've got the uh, amount of surface area that needs to be covered with with markings down down pretty low now. Uh, has uh, is that just a matter of research, or uh, or or is something else going on with the markings that makes that possible? Well, I think first of all, it's a matter of research. It's also a matter of uh, again, as we uh, discussed earlier, legislation. Which is, you know, most of the time based on uh, on the uh, on scientific evidence, right? So if um, if uh, again, if we take the example of uh, the trolley green standard, it's calling for markers that are spaced two inches. So uh, that's proven to work, and we have now projects even to uh, to to uh, testify uh, yes. to, to the effectiveness of the uh, the solution. So. Um, if you look at, um, say, um, a, um, a five millimeter dot space two inches, uh, which, which meets the, uh, you know, the, the CSA and the Toronto Green Standards and has been proven to be effective in, uh, in real life conditions, uh, you're looking at, um, you know, uh, a density of uh, one and a half percent, uh, more or less. So um, that's pretty low. So you're you're down to something that um, is not really that obtrusive, right? Um, no. It's funny. Yesterday I was um, in Philadelphia. I was uh, at a at an architect's uh, office, and we had that discussion. <laughs> and um, the um, you know we were discussing how we you know, from that standpoint, how they would evaluate how, um, what the impact is for building occupant. They, they brought up that question. Obviously, they, they, not that it was a concern, but it was certainly something that they would, uh, they, they, they want to address, right? And um, so what's the impact for building occupants? Well, you know, you, you, gotta, you first have to look at, uh, you know, samples and mock-ups and, and basically what you want to do is uh, try to replicate the, what the, uh, the, the, you know, the actual environment uh, of building occupants will be. So 
you know, put up the uh, put up the the, the mockups against uh, a window, um, and then from a normal viewing distance, right? So the so you've got people working in a commercial office, working at their desk, right, and looking outside, and just so normal viewing distance. What what does it look like? Um, that's the way you got to look at it, right? As opposed mm -hmm. to take a piece of 12 by 12 and look at it from a foot distance, right? And say, yeah. oh, gee, you know, I could see the uh, the markers yeah. real well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's not really a way to, to go, right? Uh, so, um, and and they, um, you know, they get, most of the architects, they get it. They, 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 they understand, right? Like, just evaluate the options based on normal conditions. Right. And, um, and then you, you and we have, of course we have a slew of uh, projects on our gal on our project gallery with shots from the interior, so we're able to show them. Look, if you if you look at these uh, examples, if you if you do your own you know uh, visual uh, review, uh, you know the bottom line is most of the uh, most of the building occupants and. In um, in projects where there is bird friendly uh, glass, they they see past the markers after a couple of weeks. You know they don't even notice them anymore. Yeah, that's the that's really that's a reality. Yeah, guys. In, yeah, go in, ahead. Dan. In some commercial setting, like uh, the 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 particular project I was referring to, which I had twenty five collision every year and went to to twelve in four years and all of that. I sat into the lobby of that that building, and there must have been fifty people for the time I sat down. And I went outside, knowing it, you know what it was, and I questioned multiple people. A, vast majority didn't even notice it. B, right. the one who noticed it, it didn't bother them. So depending on the setting and on the goal, on your goal, and and what this building is all about. And and believe me, there were a whole lot more intrusive markers. You know, we, some were forty percent coverage, and some were like uh, fifteen percent coverage. Very few were in that one to two percent coverage. But the vast majority, they didn't they didn't mind it. And it I and I think it's this is this is something that you know that we'll need that we will need as as for us Walker to be able to collect more information and data about this and that the occupants don't don't quite mind it you know after a certain period of time not only that is that as i alluded to the saskatchewan project imagine that you're sitting at your desk and you're working and you're focusing and concentrating are you doing a podcast like this one and then you you hear that bang noise on your window oh oh wonderful that I mean, nobody wants that really yeah what's you know, worse right it's this, this, there so, was so Pat, uh, perhaps to add to uh, uh, to my answer on uh, your question with respect to technology and process uh, process uh, uh, improvement and evolution, I think there, there's no doubt that the other trend that we uh, we see in the in the market is uh, you know, larger um, glazing units, larger size right. glazing units, right? Mm -hmm. So. However, we want to define them like oversized, jumbo, whatever it is, um, and recognizing that um, the flow, the glass floaters 
basically have gone now as far as like uh, jumbo uh, standard jumbo sizes to 13204 and also uh, their coders being able to do as a jumbo standard size the same the same dimension 13204 and and even uh, possibly and also even uh, offering up to 13240 um uh, but but the the, the standard being 13204 uh, there's no question that uh, with respect to virtual friendly solution, we, you know, take them, the, the industry's got to go there and uh, be able to respond to, uh, to the need for larger size uh, glass panes. So I what's think the biggest, what's the biggest you guys can do? Yeah, right now we could do uh, the one, the 96, 130 is the, uh, is the, the largest standard size. Yeah. And uh, we're currently working on expanding this like short term, uh, possibly expanding to uh, 100, 144. Cool. But we know from, again, um, experience in the field and talking to architects, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've got people coming to us with, uh, with projects that, um, you know, well, I mean, we had, we had one the other day where we couldn't pursue the discussion that was uh, calling for, uh, uh, Payne's uh, long side 102, 192 inch on the long side. So um, mm -hmm. we know, I mean, that's just an extreme example, but it, but we see that all the time. You know, anything between, uh, I'll say, uh, well, let's, 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 to keep things simple, anything between uh, 130, uh, 130 inch and, uh, and almost uh, 200, we're seeing um you know different different applications like podiums and 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 other um and other types there's more and more demand for that so um yeah what's, so what's your do, what's your limitation there mark? What's, that? what's your what's your limitation there mark would you need new machinery to to, to go up the size yeah it's, it's essentially it's it's all process related uh yeah you know yeah. The, you know, processes than that and equipment that, that allow us to uh it's just the opening on that whatever it is right yeah travels yeah. the travels on your on your etcher yeah. so hmm. it's um yeah we, we need to go there and i think the industry in general needs to to go there um you might and, as well uh, i mean i mean it's going to be I, I mean that's well, and then, you know what? We're, we're we're over an hour here, so let's let's mm -hmm. let's wrap. But I'm gonna I'm, I I want to give Danik the last word and 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 sort of jumping off that point. Um, what what's the future hold, Danik? Uh, uh, you know, it, it's obviously um, it, it's obviously the, the the demand is there. I don't think things like this Bill Twenty Three are going to be anything except a speed bump. Um, 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 it, the 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 architects and the cities, and I th I think actually the public at large is uh is is kind of interested uh in in seeing bird friendly go on to go on to all these projects whenever they think about it or hear about it um what 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 are your what are what are your projections denik for the bird friendly market down the road i believe that in in the short term uh the american market uh the americans are putting uh the canadian cities and province to shame um while toronto was the first one multiple cities in, in Ontario adopted, but outside of Ontario, it's pretty quiet. Uh, there's a lack of political guts and, and desire to move the, this forwards. 
Um, there's a program in Canada by Nature Canada called uh, Bird Friendly Cities, where uh, bird bird uh, friendly glass is an option into their. And so um, there was an announcement last week with 14 cities being bird friendly cities, you know, but they don't. None of those have a anything about uh, preventing birds from colliding against glass. While it's completely legal to kill birds, migratory birds, and then uh, they are subject to, to getting sued. And I think this is where it's going to go for Canada. The you know municipality that where there's none, um, some will show up, uh, and but for the most part, the American are leading the way right now. With New York being the big, the big fish, right? San Francisco, Chicago, and you, you, the rhythm is there. Something that Mark and I've seen ten years ago coming up like a rolling ball, and it, this this market is going to continue to grow. It's inevitable, and everywhere where you you do not have the, the legislation in place, it will happen sooner or later. Nobody wants to get sued, and it works. The thing is, A, you can get sued, B, it works. And C, this is the other component, is people don't really mind it in that commercial setting. And, and you don't have to cover the entire building. So where's it going? It, it will continue to grow. I be strongly believe it's going to continue to grow unless Mark, you, you believe differently, but I, that's where I'm seeing this going. going. I, I doubt Mark believes any differently. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, oh, listen. I, I, what I, I, think, I think the forces uh, in the market will, will, will keep pushing the, the, the demand. And I think the only area where I, I believe the jury is still out is on the residential side, right. where yeah. you know that that's a different uh, game. Um, now you're you you got a different audience, a different uh, you know going to the um, to residential owners with this uh, is a um, is another is another game, like I said, and you know the jury's still out as to whether or not. Um, it will, you know, bird-friendly uh, glazing uh, will break into the uh, into that market. Uh, we'll see, but uh, de definitely on the non-residential um, side, uh, there's no doubt forces are pushing the the demand up. No question yeah, about I, it. The, the 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 problem for residential homeowners is that you do end up you, you do end up spending more time closer to your glass. Uh, just physically, uh, <laughs> physically <Yeah>. closer, right? <laughs> so that's that's it. But listen, that that's a discussion for another day. I want to I want to get uh, I want to get uh, 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 into uh, into the windows and doors side of it one of these days. Uh, but uh, for now, guys, really informative, uh, uh, great talk. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, uh, Mark Deschamps, Danik Dankos, Walker Glass. Uh, where can uh, where can people reach out to you, Danik, if they uh, if they want to ask questions? Very simple, WalkerGlass.com. Start Beautiful. with there. Beautiful. Start from there. And by the way, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Marion, uh, who I believe yeah. has done some of that blog writing. Yes, um, she does. Marion and I. Marion is is working with you, right, Danik? Yes, uh, that's on, correct. On the, on the on the marketing side. Yeah. Uh, man, is she smart. 
we got into a conversation about uh, she's reading Heart of Darkness uh, by Conrad, and uh, we got into this discussion about it. And and Danik is hiring English majors, uh, for God's sake. And uh, man, does it ever improve the quality of the content? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it does. <laughs> so sh shout out to Marion. Uh, yeah. Go read her stuff. Go read her stuff at WalkerGlass.com. Yeah. Uh, they're doing a they're doing a great job over there. So uh, thanks again, guys. Thank you very much Thank for the opportunity. It was, uh, it was great, uh, great chat. Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.